Each year, more than 12 million people will hear the same three devastating words. You have cancer. I'm Lee Silverstein, a survivor of pediatric kidney cancer and stage four colon cancer. My amazing wife, Linda, has taught me that we have cancer because every one of us is affected by it in some way. Survivors, family, friends, and medical and support team members. And we all have a story worth telling. Welcome to We Have Cancer. Welcome to episode 150 of We Have Cancer. Thank you so much for joining me. And thank you for helping us reach this milestone of 150 episodes with patients like myself, survivors, caregivers, medical professionals, and so much more. I truly appreciate your support for this labor of love, as I call it, over the last five years, and for helping us achieve the milestone of 150 episodes. A little personal update. I, as I mentioned previously, uh, received some, some good news of, a, of a, what we call a clean scan about, I guess it's been about six weeks now. However, over these nine years that I've been battling stage four colorectal cancer, I've learned that unfortunately I don't stay that way for too long, particularly if we stop treatment. So therefore I continue to be on a every other week chemotherapy regimen. And fortunately, I'm able to juggle that while still working a full-time job, which like many of you, I'm doing remotely now. But uh, so that's where I'm at. I've been feeling pretty good. I'm still able to exercise and we're just going to keep this chemo thing going uh, because I know bad things happen when we stop. So uh, we don't want bad things to happen. So we're going to keep going and, you know, keep this thing at bay. I've got a really interesting guest for our 150th episode. His name is Court Davies, and Court has been instrumental in putting together, folks, an incredible opportunity that I hope you all will take advantage of. And this is called the One Habit to Beat Cancer Global Online Summit. You can learn more by visiting the website, and I hope you'll do this. The website is onehabitsummit.com, and that's the number one habitsummit.com. This is a free online summit with over 35 interviews, inspirational stories, and healing modalities for increasing wellness and overcoming stress on your cancer journey. The online summit takes place, it's coming up here in a few weeks, over a course of 11 days from May 25th to June 3rd. And just a few of the, I'm looking at the speaker lineup that's been put together. I'm actually blown away. Hal Elrod, author of the Miracle Morning book series and a cancer survivor himself. Johnny Immerman, who's the founder of an amazing cancer support organization known as Immerman's Angels. Uh, many of you are familiar with Brian Tracy. He too is a cancer survivor. The lineup goes on from there and it really is an incredible lineup. 
court himself is in the midst of a pretty tough battle of malignant paraganglioma cancer. That's a really rare cancer, uh, neuroendocrine cancer. But I truly, in, in talking to court, was just absolutely blown away by his positive attitude, his spirit, his outlook on life. It really was infectious. I know you'll agree as you listen now to my interview with Court Davies. Court, welcome to the podcast. So glad you reached out to me. And I want to start with the main topic, and that is the the summit that you're a part of, One Habit to Beat Cancer. Tell us, I know that's coming up real soon. Uh, I think it's next week even, but tell us how this came to be and, and what your goal is and what your plan is for this. Yeah, it's not till May 25th, so we still got a little ways to go. So it's perfect. Okay, but, but, uh, about but, three weeks. Yeah, four, we got four weeks of good awareness building, so it's going to be good. Yes. So uh, <laughs> Lee, thanks for having me. Yeah, so just a quick background. My name is Court Davies, and I was diagnosed with uh, stage four malignant paraganglioma in November of 2017, so about two and a half years ago. And for those of you that don't know what malignant paraganglioma is, most people don't. It's rare neuroendocrine disorder. It started in my bladder and now it's gone to my bones. I'm doing pretty well. I've done a lot of probably eight surgeries in the last two years. I'm on chemo right now. I did uh, you know many experimental drugs before we got to chemo and, and chemo seems to be the way to go for the next foreseeable future. If you don't know me, I'm a very super positive, you know, kind of headstrong person, you know, very much in the spirituality and very much into the psychosocial aspect of cancer. And so I had been interviewing cancer survivors just on my own. Just uh, Tony Robbins has this thing um, called modeling the experts, you know, find out uh, how an expert does something and model the way that they do it. And so I talked to people with the rarest cancers that were given weeks to live, months to live, and they're still here years later. And I wanted to know what it was that they did. And so I got a lot of different answers and that made me realize that, that, you know, people have their, their different journey, right. And everyone's got a different way of coping and a different way of handling it. And so this, someone approached me, I don't believe in coincidences. Someone approached me, they saw me, uh, they saw what I was doing on social media and they approached me and they said, we have this brand one habit and they were like, let's do one to beat cancer. And I said, yeah, it's great. So we got 50 cancer thrivers together, people that have been through, you know, hell and back, if you will, and, you know, people that were diagnosed with non-Hodgkin's lymphoma at seven years old and given weeks to live and are still here 48 years later, and people that have pancreatic cancer that, you know, went through four years of chemo and still here 14 or 15 years later, like really incredible, truly um, inspiring stories. And they each shared a habit that, that really helped them on their journey you know, meditation and nutrition and laughing with their kids and walking in the woods and movement and yoga. And, you know, it's, it's really inspiring. And so the point of the book is to give people breadcrumbs to help them find two or three habits that are going to kind of inspire them. And so we were going to do a live event and COVID happened, obviously, and uh, we're all inside and, and it actually worked out really to our advantage because all of a sudden these great speakers and influencers were available to speak Lee, just like you and I are doing. And so we decided to do an online summit. It's called the One Habit to Beat Cancer Global Online Summit. It's going to be May 25th through June 3rd. It'll be 10 days. Actually, it's 11 days. We have so much content. We, we added an 11th day. And uh, 
you know, I'm sure Lee will have the show notes, but the, the URL to sign up is it's a free, free summit, by the way, the URL is one habit, the, the, the number one habit summit.com. So really simple one habit summit.com. It's the number one. And so what that entails is about half cancer survivors and half influencers. And the way I say what I call influencers are people that deal with psychosocial behavior, behavioral experts, stress experts, body language experts, like these people who, who help a lot of cancer patients out. And there's some big names like Brian Tracy and John Martini and John Asaroff from The Secret and Hal Elrod, who wrote Miracle Morning. A lot of these guys, uh, Hal and Brian Tracy had cancer recently. And so right. it's, it's really near and dear to them. And so I got to, I got to interview these people from my bedroom. Like it was this incredible, right? And so, uh, awesome. yeah, so we have <clears throat> this incredible content and Lee, Lee, stop me if I'm, if I'm talking too much, but the last step really was this guy, Johnny Immerman, who runs this foundation called Immerman Angels out of Chicago. They're just huge. And they have, have you heard of them, Lee? I have. Yeah. I have. So they have 11,000 cancer survivors that coach people that are going through cancer in 52 countries. Like it's incredible. And so I didn't know this existed. And I think a lot of people don't know it exists. And so I got to interview Johnny. He came to me and, you know, He's like, I know two people that have malignant paraganglia ailment. I was like, no way. I was like, there's no way. Like, I've never met anyone that has the disease that I'm dealing with. And so he, lo and behold, introduced me to two women who are now friends of mine. And which reminds me, I got to call one of them because they just called me today. So what I, I talked to Johnny and he said, cancer nonprofits are dying right now. And cancer nonprofits have played a big part of my life. I've, I've been uh, helped by many, especially from a financial standpoint. So what we decided to do is have a cancer nonprofit sponsor every single day. So it's going to be 10 cancer nonprofits. They start off with a two to three minute video. This is who we are. This is who we serve. You know, this is, you know, we serve teens and young adults. We serve minorities and underserved people. And we're going to help them raise money. We're going to donate half the proceeds of the uh, summit. So the summit is free, but you have the ability to purchase it if you'd like. And a lot of people do purchase it because it's a lot of content. And as Tony Robbins says, repetition is the mother of skill, right? So it's just that con continuous content. So we're going to donate half that revenue to these nonprofits that are partnering with us. And it's been incredible. I mean, it's just, it's just nothing but good praises and yeses and, 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 and a lot of excitement. So for each of the 11 days, is it a full day? How, do, how does it, what, what does it look like? So each day is between three and four uh, speakers. And so you get three, three to four interviews. So it's, again, it could be a lot of content. It could be three to four hours of content. And sometimes you're not going to, you know, you're not going to get to all of them. But here's the thing. We really broadened the spectrum of the people we had on there because some people are going to, you know, resonate with others. Like if you have breast cancer, you might resonate with someone with breast cancer. If you have pancreatic cancer, you might resonate with someone with pancreatic cancer, you know. And, and there's another thing too, is that some people resonate with spirituality. Some people resonate with mindset. Some people resonate with, you know, certain modalities. And so we kind of offer a lot of those modalities as well. Interesting. As you interviewed these people and you were talking about habits, you know, some of them are obvious, you know, eat healthy, exercise, those kinds of things. Were there some habits that you learned about court that surprised you? I think there were habits that seemed obvious that, that, that showed up a lot. 
that were like, wow, this is way more powerful than I thought. Gratitude journal, one of them. You can't believe how many of these people wrote journals and wrote multiple times a day how grateful they were for certain things. Like they literally lived in gratitude. And, and we know now that, that, that feeling gratitude actually attributes to your immune system being strengthened. It actually has a physiological effect on your body. There were a lot of people that talked about vulnerability. Vulnerability was one of the words that really stuck out to me because cancer patients, and Lee, I don't know what your experience is, but us cancer patients tend to have lived a stoic life where we held a lot of stuff inside and we, we, we tended to have a hard time being vulnerable. And that's, that's what I found with a lot of people I spoke to. And once cancer came along, vulnerability, you know, kind of came because, you know, all of a sudden there's no time for a filter anymore, right? Because it's like, if I only have a short amount of time on, on earth, I'm going to tell it how it is. And I'm going to be vulnerable. And so there's a lot of people who showed incredible vulnerability on their journey, like just making sure everyone knew what they were going through and being able to have conversations with people they didn't, they weren't able to and being able to, you know, talk to their parents about things from their childhood that they may have, you know, they may have, you know, absorbed or their wives or their kids. And so there was a lot of peeling away of the onion, if you will, of the person that, that, that I really experienced. And I think that's, I think that's the whole experience of cancer. I mean, Lee, you've been going through it for a long time. I got to assume that it's changed your life tremendously. And I got to assume that there's been a lot of layers that have been peeled away for yourself. Absolutely. No yeah. doubt. Yeah. yeah. So some other ones, you know, movement was really interesting because there were a lot of people that were really sickly and they were like, the 90 year old woman in the walker lapped me in the neighborhood, but I, I still walked every day or I still did yoga, I still stretched, I still moved. And so, you know, that tended to be really important. There was also a really big spiritual aspect to the habits. And, and I got to say, I'm someone who did not grow up uh, in a religious family. And God is an interpretation. God is, God, God, God should be able to be interpreted whatever way the individual wants to interpret God, right? And that's, that's my, that's my belief. You know, religion can be somewhat divisive, you know, in the mm -hmm. fact that, you know, this person belongs, this person doesn't belong spirituality is, is to me is, is just believing that there's something bigger than us. There is, there is a divine intelligence in this world. And I think a lot of people just had so many great and amazing things to say about that. And I really feel like it helped them a lot. Lee, did you ever read the book, Love, Medicine and Miracles by Bernie Siegel? I have not read that one and it's been recommended by previous, uh, a couple of previous podcast guests. So it's on the list. So I got to, I got to interview Bernie last night Wow! and he's 88 years old. And the man is, you know, in my, in my opinion, it's the best interview that I did of the whole bunch, because this is a man who was at Yale in the 60s, 70s and 80s. He was a pediatric oncologist. The guy was in the thick of it. And he said, doctors don't learn, don't get taught how to talk to their patients. And so he started having these psychosocial groups and of course, in the 80s, all his fellow oncologists and surgeons were like, this guy's crazy. Let's get him fired. <laughs> and the survival rates of the people that showed up for his group were astronomical. They were three to 10 times um, what the prognosis were. I mean, there were people that were given weeks to live that, you know, were still there 14, 15, 20 years later. And, you know, his basis behind it is, is you know, the mind really plays such a big part in disease, not just cancer. 
right? And so I'm I'm really I'm a really big believer in that. So I saw a lot of that in the habits. I saw a lot of people changing the way that they think or changing the way that they perceive it. There's one quote from the interview last night that literally it, it literally punched me in the gut. And so the other day I found out from my doctor, he's like, you know, Court, it's it's not until about six months that you start seeing we start seeing any activity and from the chemotherapy and that that kind of got me down a little bit because there's no protocol for malignant paraganglioma. There's no, like, I was like, Oh, maybe we'll do three or four. And now it's like, okay, this is going to be a part of my life for a while. And Lee, you've had, you've, you've, you've gone multiple times, right? I know. I'm still in it. Absolutely. Exactly. I'm nine, I'm nine years in stage exactly. four and I'm still in chemo. Yeah. Exactly. So, so the perception I had was that, Oh, this is a burden on my life, right? The chemo is a burden on my life, but, Bernie Siegel came back and he, I didn't even tell him what I was going through. And, and he said, he said that doing chemotherapy is like childbirth. He's like, you do it for a certain amount of time. And instead of birthing a child, you birth your new self. And that was, that was like, I, it, on the interview, I visibly go back and go, whoa. And so if you look at chemotherapy from the perspective of you taking the necessary steps for birthing the new person, you know, Lee, you've been, you're, you're here nine years later of stage four, I'm stage four too. Like if I'm here after nine years, I'm going to be super grateful, right? Like, like birthing the new person, you, this has become a new norm for you. And I could, I could look at you and you look vibrant. You're smiling. You look good. Like that's a good sign, man. I feel good. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. And you know, Another incredible interview that I did was with this guy, Dr. Stephen Cole. He's a medical professor at UCLA and he researches stress biology. And I did a TED talk in October, the, the, I, the correlation between stress and cancer. And so he, what he said and what Bernie said were the two, like the biggest aha moments. He said, Court, we're starting to realize that the people that survive these diseases, these, you know, cancers or whatever, even ALS or AIDS, because they did a lot of research on AIDS as well. The people that have a purpose and a mission in life that's bigger than themselves are the ones that survive. And he goes, science has a hard time with this because it's really hard to quantify what that means or what that is. But if you have a mission or mission and purpose that's bigger than you, you take your your mind off of your own challenges and issues and you put them on, you know, you 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 go out and help the world. Like Lee, what you're doing with this podcast, you're serving people through your experiences. And so you have a mission and purpose. And so my belief is that having a mission and purpose is a really strong way to to survive a long time. And by the way, I want to preface that. It doesn't mean writing a book. It doesn't mean having a podcast. It doesn't mean doing something big. It could mean spending more time with your family. It could mean changing your career. It could mean anything like that. It doesn't have to be this big, grandiose thing. Just having a mission and purpose that's bigger than you is is really effective. And you know, now that you <laughs> share all these amazing nuggets, and I know there's more to come, and I'm and I'm thinking about myself, and I'm checking all these boxes that you're throwing at me. You know? Lee, I, I am like this. I am like I've become this like like cancer psychologist slash coach. It's like the craziest <laughs> thing. I talk to people and they're like, "Whoa, wait a minute, that's me." Yeah, yeah, that's incredible. Be sure to stick around to the end of this episode to learn how you can get your rear in gear. All these people you've interviewed, 
any one particular cancer thriver story just grabbed you more than another? There's there's a few, and I can mention them for sure. This gentleman by the name of Jake Bailey. If you guys Google Jake Bailey's speech, it's a gentleman. He was a rugby player, and he was a high school student. He was a senior, and he got diagnosed with Burkitt's, Burkitt's lymphoma. So Burkitt's lymphoma I never heard of until he yeah. told me about it. So I thought pancreatic cancer was the most aggressive cancer. Burkitt lymphoma is the most the fastest growing cancer in the world. He, when he was diagnosed, his tumors were doubling in size every week. Whoa. And so, and so just think about that. I mean, it's crazy, right? And so this kid was told at 17 years old, going into his senior year of high school that he was, had three weeks to live and he had to do subsequently 80 rounds of chemotherapy in three months. Okay. This was insane. He did a speech. He was the valedictorian of his class. He did a speech at his school that got seen 70 million times around the world. It was incredibly inspiring. They had to help him. They had, they, they had to, he was in a wheelchair. He couldn't, he couldn't walk. And uh, they brought him up to the pod podium and he just gave this incredible, inspiring speech. And now he's a resilience coach in, in, in Australia and New Zealand. And you got to see him. He's the most vibrant human being. Like he doesn't, I mean, the fact that the kid had 80 rounds of chemotherapy is just, it's incredible that, you know, he, he is the way he is. And so this, this, this human being was meant to go through this, this trying time for sure. And so check out Jake Bailey's speech. It's really cool. I'll put a link to it in the show notes. Yeah. It's been Absolutely. seen 60 or 70 million times. Just incredible. You know, there's another, there's another person who's become a friend of mine who isn't a cancer thriver. And the reason I want to bring her up is because I feel like it's really relevant. Her name is Janine Shepard. She's another Aussie. And she was a, she was an Olympian. She was training to be an Olympian, cross-country skiing. And she was biking when she was 18 years old. She was biking in Australia. She got hit by a car going 50 miles an hour. She was pronounced dead. When she got to the hospital, her blood pressure was 40 over zero. Okay. And so she did a TED talk called uh, a broken body isn't a broken person. And so that's really relevant in the cancer world because we feel like we have a broken body and we feel like it's us. We feel like the body is us and we feel like we were a broken person. And so I became friends with this woman and, and, and got to interview her and, and her story is incredible. She was in a spine ward for eight months. She couldn't move anything. And she was just looking up at a mirror and the mirror was looking at the TV. And there were about a dozen people in the spine ward and they never could look at each other. And you just think about darkness. You just think about, you know, kind of this, this, you know, think about the helplessness of cancer. Think about how helpless she was. So long story short, she, uh, and you guys should watch the interview. It's incredible. She cannot feel the waist down. She would, they were, they said she was going to be a paraplegic. She now walks. She had three kids. Like this was no, there was no way she was going to have kids. She had three children and now she's an acrobatic airplane pilot instructor. Whoa. Yeah. Yeah. And so this woman was like, she, she I remember she, the, 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 the part of the story that makes me cry. Is she's sitting at her house. She has a full body cast on. She's like, I, she's con considering suicide. You know, she's suicidal. And she's like, my life was sports and I can't do it anymore. And she looked up at the sky and this plane, this plane flew over. And the next week she was in, she was taking flight instructions. And within 18 months of her accident, she was a, she was a flight instructor. That's incredible. So 
just awesome, awesome stories. Yeah, I, I wish I could have been a fly on the wall for all of these, but you you get to watch them. I was going to say people get to watch them by joining the summit. Exactly. So obviously, you know, and you and you and I just recently met virtually, but you know, it took me three seconds to realize how you're wired, and you know, you're a glass half full, positive, spiritual kind of person. How? So you were already that was your foundation. What's changed? since your diagnosis in terms of you? So it's interesting that, that it wasn't my foundation forever. 2009, I, I'm sure we can all remember, just like what's going on right now is the market crash and I was in real estate and I had to file bankruptcy. I got my car repossessed. Like it was, I had my, I had my condo short sold. Like I, it was, you know, as a young 30 year old man, like, like status and money were everything, right? And so I got everything stripped away from me. And I feel like that really prepared me for this for this this journey that I went through and that I'm going through. So that really was a was a really big you know preparatory moment for me. I think the biggest changes during my journey right now is is my introduction to spirituality, like meditating, um, believing in a higher purpose. Uh, I, I I also found out a lot about myself. I highly devalued myself. I highly, I didn't love myself. I didn't believe in myself. I thought I was, uh, I, I was a, you know, very small and, and insignificant voice and an insignificant person. And that has a lot to do with stress biology. And, uh, you know, if you're constantly feeling that way, you can really affect yourself from a disease standpoint. And so I have, you know, I'm sitting here and, you know, I'm living with a family right now. I'm on disability. I have almost nothing to my name. I, I literally have gotten rid of everything I own. I mean, I have, a, I have a car. It's an old car. But I'm really fulfilled and I'm really, life is, is really simple. And, and if life had to go on like this for the rest of my life, I, I think I'd be okay with it. And that's a really incredible thing for me to say because 10 years ago, I would have felt like a loser. I would have felt like, you know, life is, I would say life is the things you need in life. It's a lot more simple than we, than we make it out to be. And I really feel that cancer has been that gift for me. So, so you've described from your perspective, how you've changed. What if I were to ask people who are super close to you, uh, who love you, what would they tell me that they see different in you? That's a great question. Uh, I think that that's an easy one too. I used to be this, you know, extrovert, you know, party guy, like out every night of the week, you know, drinking too much and, and, and needing this social connection. And I realized that I realized that a lot of the social connection I needed was for val you know, validating myself. Uh, now I sleep a lot. I meditate a lot. I read, I'm, I'm much more quiet. I'm much more calm. I'm much more level. Uh, you know, I used to be a hothead and, and, you know, I feel like, yeah, I feel like that's been a, been a huge change for me. The things that mean things to me are incredibly different. Like 10 years ago, you know, a vacation to Miami and partying would be where I'd spend my money. And now I spend it on meditation retreats. <laughs> so, <laughs> so it's, uh, it's quite a different, quite a different life. But no doubt it sounds like one you're, you're totally content with. Absolutely. Absolutely. Even, even more than content. I'm, I'm fulfilled. So better way to put it. Yeah. 
outside of the obvious, your health, what would you want to see that you've accomplished a couple of years from now? So I have a purpose. So John Martini is one of the speakers on the summit and he's become this, again, just someone that I really, really uh, value. And he has this thing he does called the values protocol, right? And so his thought process, and it's really, I mean, it's really backed by science. I mean, it's really incredible, but human beings um, really thrive when they're doing things that they value. And so where he, what he says, and I totally believe him, is that a lot of times where disease comes from is living in other people's values. And, and, and people can really, people listening can, if, if they're going through cancer, they can absolutely you know, relate to this. And what I mean by that is growing up, mom and dad are telling you to do something. They're telling you to do this because it's the way they did it and, it's, and it equals safety to them. And deep down inside, you are living according to their values and not your own. And all of a sudden, a breaking point happens. And that breaking point can be cancer. It can be a midlife crisis. It can be alcoholism. It's when the soul doesn't live according to what John calls his telos. And so my telos was a lot different than what my parents wanted me to be. I went to engineering school. I you know, got an engineering job. It was like, yeah, you know, hey, he's... He's going to be safe. He's going to have this career. He's going to have a 401k. Like I couldn't care less about that stuff. And so I really started to follow my values. And so, you know, my values right now are health and wellness, clearly this mission uh, to help people and, you know, really learning I'd say are, are the, are the three big things. And so I have this mission to, to help people. I, I feel like this, was delivered to me on a platter. And it was like, Court, you've always wanted to do this. You've always wanted to be on stage. You've always wanted to write books. You haven't had the avenue to do so. And now you have so much to give to this large group of people around the world. And so, you know, if, I already know, like within a couple of years, I will be on stage. We'll be doing these retreats that we're planning on doing. We want to do cancer retreats where we just get you know, 100, 200 people together and take them outside of their stressful environment and, you know, really help them adapt from a psychosocial standpoint. And so that's where my passion lies is, is really learning about stress biology, learning about the psychosocial aspect of cancer and providing help and support to them. Because let's be honest, the medical establishment is going to be really slow to incorporate anything like that. So we have to kind of take it outside of it and, and be a you know, be a nonprofit, be a foundation, be a, you know, be a helping hand. And it goes in tandem, obviously, with, you know, traditional cancer care. Sure, of course. Well, you and I say, of course, but unfortunately, again, in my opinion, there are some people that, you know, they subscribe to, um, you know, only alternative uh, ways of approach and, and, and discard traditional treatment. And unfortunately that typically doesn't work out too well. So, you know, what really resonates with me is that these, that the, this all goes hand in hand and everything is connected. Well, I have something to say about those people that go alternative. Cause I was one of those people that thought I was going to go that route. I went to Mexico. I went to the clinic there and it didn't help me. And I learned a big lesson. And so the lesson that I learned was this. We all have our different paths. We all have our different journeys. And we make decisions based on our experiences. 
And if you grew up in a family where chemotherapy and radiation killed your relatives, you're going to have a harder time with Western medicine, right? And so I did, you know, my grandfather and grandmother both, you know, died of cancer probably too early. And so I did have a negative outlook. And then it came full circle. And I said, okay, well, that was a while ago. It was 20 years ago. Things have, you know, things have changed. Things have matured. And so, you know, I do speak to people that the alternative lifestyle does work for them, but I, I agree it's few and far between. And I think that if we can combine Western medicine with a psychosocial aspect, I, I think we're going to go a long, long way because here's, I mean, here's some, here's some incredible data. I mean, just, just envisioning what chemotherapy is doing to your body makes a huge difference. Meaning if you're sitting in an infusion chair and you're thinking that it's poison, you are talking to your cells and telling them it's poison. You are telling your body it's poison. But if you're sitting in an infusion chair and, 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 and acting like this is a miracle drug, it's a miracle medicine, and it's delivering healing energy to me, your cells are going to listen too. And that's what science is finally starting to, to catch up on and go, wow, we can actually measure this. This is actually incredible. Yeah, I mean, you know, I had a conversation a while back with someone. It's like you know, talking about being grateful when you're in the chemo chair. Yeah. Um, really kind of for two reasons. A, what you just talked about, right? Being grateful that you have this medicine that will, you know, hopefully bring positive results. And the other aspect is there's people out there where chemo isn't an option anymore. Yeah. Who wish they could have chemo, yep. right? Agreed. Uh, and that's never lost on me. Oh, you know, when I have, look, you know, I'm sure it applies to you too. We all have our moments, right? Uh, but guys like you and I have them a whole lot less frequently than other people. But when we do, it doesn't take me long to snap back and go, you know what? There's a line around the block of people that wish they were in my shoes. Yeah. Yeah. Agreed. Right. Agreed. Yeah. Court, this has been an absolute pleasure. I, I totally admire uh, your approach. Uh, I wish you nothing but all, all the best, first and foremost, you know, with your health, of course, but with all the great things you're looking to accomplish and the lives you're looking to impact. Again, folks, we shared a lot of um, links and information. You can find all of the things that Court and I talked about in the show notes for today's episode at wehavecancershow.com. Court, thank you again. All the best to you. Be well, my friend. Lee, thanks so much. And everyone, join the summit. It's totally free. You know, watch it. One, onehabitsummit.com. Really uh, going to be awesome to see all of you on there and, and spread all this love and joy. So excited. Terrific. Thanks again. If you've been listening to the podcast for a while, you know that traditionally I take a break somewhere in the middle of the show to share with you the various events that the Colon Cancer Coalition is promoting around the country. Obviously, with the situation as it is right now, and it, many of us trying to adhere to social distancing, 
they've been unable to uh, obviously host their live events, particularly their Get Your Rear and Gear Run walk events, things of that nature. However, you can still support them because they've transitioned several of these events to quote-unquote virtual events. Really an easy way uh, for you to support the Colon Cancer Coalition from home. And it's important to me to to share this message with you because I know so many nonprofits currently are really struggling for support with the current situation. And they've been a wonderful and longtime supporter of the We Have Cancer podcast. So if you're looking for ways to support the Colon Cancer Coalition, please visit their website at coloncancercoalition.com forward slash events. Thank you for listening to We Have Cancer, and thank you to our sponsor, the Colon Cancer Coalition, for your support. You can subscribe to We Have Cancer by visiting Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Stitcher Radio, or Spotify. And you can find us on social media by visiting our Facebook page at We Have Cancer Show and at We Have Cancer Pod on both Instagram and Twitter. We Have Cancer is a proud supporter of Genie's Blue Angels, providing financial support to those affected by colorectal cancer.